And we're in with another special interview, this time with Jimmy Palmiotti. Uh, Jimmy is a longtime comic book writer, artist, inker. Oh, man, he was such a good inker. I really wish he'd come out of retirement. But unfortunately, computers, uh, inkers don't get a lot of work these days. Uh, where was I? Oh, yeah. Uh, so, uh, Jimmy, uh, I've uh, talked to you a number of times over the years. And he has a new Kickstarter project uh, coming out called Killing Time in America. He just finished a really good, solid run on Harley Quinn, along with uh, his wife and uh, uh, sometimes artistic partner, uh, Amanda Connor. And it just seemed like a good idea to talk to him to get his... uh, uh, get the the word out about his new Kickstarter project, and also talk to him about uh, Kickstarter on the whole, going out on your own, and um, we also talk about the art of smack talking. <laughs> so um, you you'll get to it. It's in the interview, and it's pretty awesome. Um, yeah. So here's uh, my uh, little conversation with uh, Jimmy Palmiotti. Alrighty. So. Um the reason okay. I wanted to talk to you is you have a brand new project out on Kickstarter, and it looks like, if uh, my internet feed is correct, you uh, got it funded as of today with uh, 16 days to go. Yeah, we, uh, yes, I, I'm very happy about that. We just, uh, I was just on the phone with my buddy Patrick, who um, he's like, okay, we have to set up the stretch, stretch goals and we have to send out a thank you. And I said, well, let's wait tomorrow till the thank you. I want to do a thing. With everybody backing it, um, a proper thank you. Uh, you know, and we have a website, the paperfilms.com, where we sell a lot of our books and Manda's prints and stuff. So I'm going to try to work up like a really insane coupon if anybody wants to go to it and get stuff like really cheap that backed us. You know, I want to do something fun for everybody that backed it. And then, then the stretch goals, I just got to think, how do I make a stretch goal that the print people are happy with and then at the same time the digital people are happy with because you can't you know i got to do things on a digital level for them and then a, a print or paper i can do all digital levels but i kind of like to come up with stuff that people when the people open their package they get extra stuff you know cool things hmm. so uh it's a it's a constant thing i have enough, i have two weeks to figure out and you know with any kickstarter when you hit the number you're happy but i'm not happy till it's way past the number because you also get people canceling people like to be in the ride and then they like to get off the ride so you get a lot of cancellations oh really yeah uh-huh. like i'd say almost five percent cancellations uh three to five percent people you know and they say oh well and i backed it i had the money i don't have the money now or you know it sucks when they do it because it throws off everything <laughs> you know but it, but it happens uh, you know some have real reasons and some are just, we used to have, we had one or two where people put in a lot of money and then they pulled it out, 
you know, and it threw our numbers way off because all of a sudden we thought we hit it and then we didn't hit it. It fell, you know, two grand because they backed something and they didn't want to pay it. And, and then we would, you know, we can contact the person and the person never gets back in touch with you. And you realize, uh, you know, you talk to other Kickstarter people and you realize, oh, there's a couple of people out there that do this. And, uh, you know, it kind of sucks. But yeah. uh, but that, that's the nature of the world. You know, there's... there's for every 99 wonderful people, there's one sucky one out there. <laughs> so um, the book's called Killing Time in America. Uh, where did the idea come from? You know, it, uh, it's funny because I, I, it wasn't, it, well, the movie Hostel, and the, there's a lot of movies, Friday the 13th. There's all those kind of genre, slasher kind of crazy movies. Um, but, but for me, I noticed there was a, a, a lot of them in a row where American tourists went overseas and either got killed or got caught up in crazy stuff. And it was always about the Americans going overseas. And I said, it's never about the tourists coming to the U.S. Um, and I thought, how would I flip this idea around in a way? And um, so it was a couple of years ago, and I, I, I worked with a buddy of mine, Craig Whedon. We actually write screenplays together. We've done Back to Brooklyn. We've done a whole bunch of things together. And I said, you know, I got this idea where – like let's say a town in the middle of up in the mountains in Germany or somewhere. And they, and they actually, you know, they've been doing this for a long time and they, they send out people to podcast their killing sprees and maybe they pick somewhere in the United States. And, you know, at the opening of the book, we have a, a map of the United States and a, and a wooden dart hits St. Pete, St. Petersburg, Florida. And that's the start of the book. And so it was just a, like reversing the themes and, um, and in the story, it's, it, it, it's, it's, you know, it's a sex, it's violence. We have a cop that's tracking them down a retired cop. So it is a, it, it's our little, our little feature film graphic novel idea kind of blown up a little bit. And, um, and it, so it's fun and it's disturbing like all good things. And, um, and it's got, it's not for the kids. Um, but I wanted to do something, you know, after doing four years of Harley Quinn, I wanted to do something where, you know, the gloves are off and I can get a little wild. And uh, so hopefully this is just one of uh, many different things I'm doing. But now that it got backed and we're hoping to get some more people behind it, you know, it, it leaves the door open that people are interested in this kind of idea. I know I'm all over the place with my answers. I'm always like that. So yeah. one. It's okay. Yeah. Uh, if it if it makes you feel any better right now, I'm trying to decide which tier that I'm going to throw my money at. <laughs> so. uh, my my my, you know, man, the, the uh, well, you know, look, if you if you got eight bucks, the digital one's great because you can just have the digital copy and that's it. If you're into art and having stuff signed, then we have a basic, the basic book one, which has Dave Johnson's cover on it. It's got the book, and I think that's twenty five or twenty eight. I think it's twenty eight. And then, um, and then after that, you can pick. You know, Amanda's thing is sixty dollars, and you get a print of her cover, so you get the book, the book signed by everybody, and then you get a print, like a special limited print to the backers, uh, signed by Amanda. And, uh, so there's a couple of things. You, you, I, I say, look at your budget for the Kickstarters. We kind of look at, I look at somebody, you know, this is a graphic novel. It's a 112 page book. So it's like, so I figured like for $8, a digital is a pretty reasonable, um, grab, you know? And, and so, and then for the people that really, you know, the funniest things the more expensive tiers are the ones that sell quicker. You know, we have a couple of sellouts, and it was like the two hundred dollars tier and the hundred twenty dollars, twenty five dollars tier, and I, and I was just like, okay, that's because people want artwork, you know, and and I get that, but I only have so much to give, and um, 
so the prints are the next thing. So I, 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 we try to put something there for everybody because I don't really, you know, I don't want to shake down people for a lot of money. That's why the digital tiers is very reasonable. And then, um, and then if you're a real collector, you know, if you're like me, where you have to have everything, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> then there's a little more expensive tiers. And and again, you know, I, I laugh because I, you know, okay, I'm older, I'm in my fifties. And, um, you know, so your brain, when you get older, and I guess younger people will start to see this, when you get older, you know, when you go and get a slice of pizza and it's $4 and change, your brain goes, what? You know, because you re- cause you remember when it was a quarter or 50 cents, mm. you know? Um, so, you know, I look at like a $28 book and I'm like, that's expensive. And then I'm realizing, like, I just had a hamburger, fries, and a soda at a nice restaurant, a decent restaurant, and it was $32. Yeah. And I'm like, and I'm like, oh my god! Like, right, my my proportion with the universe is not making sense to me. Uh, my brain is stuck. I don't know how how old are you? Am I getting too personal? Uh, no, you're not getting too personal. I turn uh, 39 this year. Okay, so when you were in your teens, the movies were probably cheaper. The comics were definitely cheaper. Oh yeah. Um, you know, um, so so this goes into my Kickstarters because people tell me, you know, you could charge more all the time. They always say that to me. And I always go, yeah, but my audience needs their money. I don't want people throwing a ton of money away. I want I want you to open a package and go, okay, this was worth every dime. You know, and this is my tenth one. So so far, so good. Yeah. So speaking of which, you've done ten books uh, via Kickstarter now. Um, not to toot your horn or anything, but you, you've got a really good name to yourself. You could easily go to one of any dozen of publishers, like Image comes to mind. Why do you yes. do it through Kickstarter under your own company? Okay, it's a couple of reasons. The, the, the first one, my favorite one, is it's grassroots. I get the backers. I know their names. We communicate. I see the cons. And this is a this is an opportunity. I get to throw an idea out there, and you can either like it or not like it. You can either support it or not support it. And so I don't have any editorial anything. I have freedom to do whatever subject I want, and hopefully people support it. Um, but it gives a lot of freedom to it. And and uh, although it's great to do a book with image, I have to kind of do the same thing. You have to put your own money. You have to put it together yourself. Yep. And and then it, what if it doesn't make the money back on any level? Well, then I'm kind of screwed because I'm not going to, you know, and, and you'd be surprised. You have to sell, you know, the, you have to sell a certain amount to make your money because you have to pay for printing, you have to pay for everything. It is a risk. Okay, the Kickstarter, if nobody backs it, then I know it can be made and and nobody wants it. So I don't have to throw it out there and I don't have to engage all these people that do work all the time. So Kickstarter, you get a feeling for what people want. Now it doesn't mean I can't like, so with, with uh, one or two of the books that we did as Kickstarters, uh, um, we sold to other companies. Like we sold to be published elsewhere. And what we did is we just made sure it was a different format, put a different cover on it. You know, we repackaged it differently. So the people that got the Kickstarter got a cool edition that's signed and mm-hmm. exclusive to the Kickstarter. And then we had, like, one of them was uh, Jet City uh, did Forager. And they printed, you know, 10,000 of them in different format, glossy cover. It looks nothing like the book we did. The book we did had a Darwin Cook cover. It had a, gloss, uh, a flat cover. 
you know, so the people that have those, that's like a collector's item because there's only like 380 of them. Um, and, and then we sold the other ones for mainstream. So that, that went to bookstores and Amazon and stuff like that. So they do have a second life. Um, why I don't do image because I'm a little bit of a control freak and I do do image books. Like the pro was through image, green yep. crab went to image and stuff like that. And I love working with them, but I also, especially with, this is our 10th one. We make a connection with the people that I can't get from image image goes out to diamond. Diamond selling to the stores, the stores selling to people. I don't have a big connection. Um, so for Kickstarter, it's grassroots. It's experimental. It's a learning curve. I'm on a very long and wide learning curve with each Kickstarter. But I think it's probably the best grassroots thing to test an idea on. Fair enough. Um, as a, I've been following you on various social media things for years now. And you have always kind of presented the idea that of uh, maybe American comics should move a little bit more towards the European model where we do a, a book, 100 and some odd pages every four months or six months, maybe two a year. Is this kind of a, a continuation of that idea for you, like that you're putting your money where your mouth is, sort of? It, it is because here's the problem I have with comics. And I love comics. The, the, the deepest bones in my body, all the way through. The problem I have is they're on cheap paper. They're disposable. You buy them in a week and you throw them in a pile and they get bent. And they get bent. Okay? That's okay. If you read them and toss them like I, I do, that's great. But most people don't. They're collectors. So they get you to buy the comic, the floppy comic. Then they get you to buy a trade book or a hardcover and then a softcover. And I get it. That's how they keep milking you. I, I get it. That's how they make money. My problem is the comics are disposable. And when things feel disposable, people tend to think of the culture of comics as disposable. So we have Black Panther's the biggest money-making movie in the world right now, superhero, but the comic doesn't sell that well at all. Well, I, I would have a problem, too, if I didn't buy comics and I went to a comic store and I looked at the Black Panther comic and it's three ninety nine or four ninety nine and it's flat and it's on crappy paper. And sure, I want to get a hardcover and there's a couple of those, but let's be honest, they're only in comic stores. And again, the price point keeps them out of bookstores, keeps them out of other places, um, keeps them off newsstands. And I know that people think there are no newsstands, but go to any airport and there's usually two or three in each terminal. Um, my 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 thing was I like the European. They do these hardcovers. They're big, they're giant size. They're twenty dollars, twenty five dollars. But let's in reality. So let's say let's say Batman comes out in three different titles a month. Okay, so you're talking about thirty six books a year. Well, you can actually put out a Batman hardcover book once a month that has three or four issue stories in them, and and by the end of the year you'll have the same amount of books. So you'll have them in hardcovers. And the good thing is they won't be tossed away or thrown in a pile or whatever. People will keep them on the shelves all year round. People, the buying public, and people go, yeah, but people used to buy in the floppies. And I'm like, well, they're used to anything you get them used to. Mm. Meaning you have to do it in order to get people used to it. People used to say, oh, you know, computers, nobody will ever have computers. Everybody will have computers. They won't use, they won't use this. They won't do that. How many things, technology have we seen go away? because they introduce something better or different. And so, you know, the guys that all argue, you know, comic stores will go out of business. And I'm like, no, they won't. They'll actually 
they'll actually be selling around the same amount of comics and the same prices. Um, it's just that they have hardcover, and you can still collect three or four hardcovers into a bigger book if you really want to go crazy uh, that way. But I just think the disposable nature of them makes people treat, treat them lesser, as lesser collectibles and lesser things. And, and let's be honest, I, I'm not a big fan of the 85 covers for one comic thing. As a matter of fact, I think I pitched at one point can, you know, uh, to DC and Marvel at one point, can we do a book every year called the alternate cover book and just print 180 pages of the alternate cover so people who want the art can buy at least a book? And they were like, no, that would kill the alternate cover market. And I'm like, I said, yeah, but that market is sort of like, that's not people reading. It's just people <laughs> buying more stuff, you know? I know Marvel actually did that with uh, the the relaunch of Star Wars that they did the the, the new Star right. Wars comics. They put out a hardcover of right. just all their variant covers for number one. So yeah, you I mean, you ridiculous. have good ideas, Jimmy. <laughs> apparently, yeah. No, I I believe me. This is ten fifteen years ago. I was at Marvel Knights, and you know, I, I I was looking at stuff, and I'm just like saying, the, the problem with you know again the problem with appealing to collectors is a double-edged sword because you want new readers. You want people to read the book. You want new people to buy them. I want people, kids in their teens and their, and their early 20s to go out and buy these books. I don't want the same 48-year-old guys or, you know, I don't want the same people all the time. I and mean, what we did with Harley Quinn, when Amanda and I worked on Harley Quinn, our goal was to get it into, like, different audiences' hands, you know, and, and – uh, you know, we wanted young girls and moms to pick up a comic. And, and we were very successful in that. We would go to the shows and it would be moms and daughters and dads bringing the Harley Quinn comics. And the daughter's like, yeah, I read them. And that's my first comic I ever read. And I told Amanda, I said, you know, this is something, this is such a good thing because this gets people into, into comics, you know, this, whether it's Harley or whatever. But for us, we saw Harley Quinn actually pulling in a lot of younger people. I, I can and, definitely know. go with that because uh, the Harley Quinn panel I hosted with you, uh, I guess last year, two years ago now. Um, yeah, most yep, of the audience. Great panel, by the way, pardon? Yeah, most of it was the a great uh, panel. Yeah, uh, thanks. <laughs> the audience was female for the most part, and a lot of newer readers. Like they were, they were all younger than I was, with the uh, yes. with the exception of my wife. But they, other than that, they were. I would say they were all in their early to mid 20s maybe a couple of them even younger yeah and 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 it's an unusual group because i don't think they were there five years ago a lot of them and and i'm happy that harley brought them in and you know we wrote harley as fun that's all we we just you know we took what we knew and just said let's make this book fun and crazy throw in our little preachiness here and there and but it had a beat to it you know and it had an all ages beat to it. And as Amanda said, it's, it's Looney Tunes. You know, it's like the adults get the love Bugs Bunny, kids love Bugs Bunny, but we love it for different reasons. And um, so, you know, so hopefully we're seeing more of that in comics, but we can't lose that new audience. You know, you, you, you get the old guys complaining about cosplayers, and I love cosplayers, so I don't know what the hell they're complaining about, but um, that's just new people coming into the shows. But I just think, like I said, the, the more families you see involved in comics, the more you're creating readers that are going to spread the word. And and I think, you know, comic people are probably this, the, on the curve of being much smarter than other people. 
Um, I think they're a really smart, educated, open-minded, artistic group. And uh, what happens with those groups is those are the people that influence other people. Um, so I just like to see things get more positive, and I hate and I want to take away the nature of disposableness because I think comics have been looked at as disposable for way too long. Um, so with this book, you and you and Amanda leaving Harley, uh, I guess last month was your last issue, wasn't it? If I'm it was uh, thirty-four, a couple of months ago. Yeah. yeah, it was a couple of months ago. And I buy yeah. all my books in trade, so I'm, I'm always have to kind of like go go. get the trades there out. Then it's you don't want all those comics around. That's why. <laughs> yeah. So um, with the with that, you've kind of been talking about that you're going to explore doing more of your own thing for the next little while. Is this uh, the first book of many that we're going to see this year? Well, maybe not many, but a couple of books out through your own. Uh, company no, or it, it, it is you're, you're right it is it is going to be many i have a, a painkiller jane in the works and we we uh, have um i have three more books in the works right now uh so amanda and i are going to go quiet for a little bit it's going to seem but we're working on stuff we're working she's drawing uh, captain brooklyn right right now which is going to be an image book and it's with me and frank thierry and amanda and that has definitely a harley harley beat to it except it's about a garbage man from brooklyn so um, but we, 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 we have a couple of fun, we have a team book we're doing, um, that is probably the most ridiculous thing. Uh, all the stuff Amanda and I are doing together has this very out there, ridiculous, uh, kind of concepts to it, but we just want to do a bunch of books that make us laugh and, you know, uh, kind of poke fun at a lot of things too, but she's really great at that. And her artwork is you know, her artwork can hit all ages. Young kids like it, and all the people appreciate it. So um, so that's what we're doing. I mean, we have one more Harley book that we did, uh, a one-shot that's probably coming in the fall. Um, and then Amanda's doing covers for a lot of things. But basically, we're focusing on our own work. We have some Kickstarters we're doing. And, um, yeah, we just have some fun stuff. I mean, what we did is what, we, what the plan was, and we stuck to it was we saved up our money for the past couple of years so we can go and try new things and do some new things and of course travel and have some fun because we haven't even when we started harley we didn't even take we just got married so we haven't even taken our honeymoon yet so uh we're finally gonna get caught up on that (laughs) harley's been just like a crazy four years of complete and utter chaos for us we were working on two to three books a month Plus sneaking in Starfire, and uh, for me a whole bunch of other things. I was doing a con job and a couple other books I was doing at the time. So we were aver- we were we were just so busy. We just need to exhale and uh, and then get our own stuff out for a while. And hopefully, you know, whoever's been waiting will be patient. I told her I said comics, you know, they don't care. Six months, eight months, you're gone. As long as you come back with something, mm. they're happy. Yeah. So uh, before I let you go. Um, because, uh, we were, uh, we were on a ship together and one of the things I got to witness <laughs> yeah. that I've, uh, I was wondering about since is, uh, you and, uh, your, uh, your friends are very, uh, very loving to one another, but you guys are also very good at smack talking one another. What is, yeah. the, what is the best way to, to smack talk your friend without getting, 
too personal and too far? Is there a go-to line that you can use just to, to throw them a zinger? Is there one good one that everybody should have in their arsenal? Well, if they have a handicap, don't pick on it. Unless they, <laughs> um, um, unless they bring it up all the time. Yeah. Um, the the one thing you don't do in a group is show what bothers you. <laughs> so, if it's let's say if cats scare you, you don't want to tell us that my group that because all we'll do is dress up as cats and go drinking with you. You know, we will make sure cats are in every part of your life. You, we'll buy you cat T-shirts. We'll make we'll leave cats in a bag outside your house or whatever. Um, but it's a bit, you know, so you have to with that kind of smack talk, you have to have this 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 group of this safety to it, right? So there's things we know we don't talk about, meaning things that are actually real and hard to deal with and all that kind of stuff. We don't we don't talk about that. Okay, we we let that for the quiet moment. But, you know, as you can tell online with Frank and Dave Johnson and all those guys, anything goes, especially moms. Yes. For some reason. Picking on each other's mom. Now, my mom's dead. So whenever they pick on my mom, I'm like, well, okay, you're going to have to dig her up and do that because she's dead. Okay. You know, and, and so there's, <laughs> there's a point where, you know, some people read it and they really think sometimes we're really mad at each other. And we're not. You know that already. We're, we're not at all. We're just laughing trying to one-up each other as far as how insulting we can be. Um, but there has to be, there has to be that friendship. There has to be that thing where um, it's, it's, it's only going to make you laugh instead of get you upset. You know, and we know, we know what things not to pick on. Do you, do you smack talk with anybody at all? Oh yeah. I've, I've got a couple friends that I know that I can get away with it. Like with pretty much anything. There's a one particular right. friend, like when he, when he, calls and it's very rarely it's not too long until your mom comes out of his mouth so <laughs> right right and and you know but he but if you let's say you had cancer he wouldn't be you know he wouldn't be picking on your cancer no, although no in our in our group that's how we deal with it a little bit right so we'll know somebody has some problem and then we'll just say well why don't you just do this and use it to your advantage you know like we, we're horrible okay it's horrible but it's it, but it's a you know it's a Brooklyn maybe it's a Brooklyn New York thing and even though half our guys aren't from New York but it's definitely like Frank and I talk and he says horrible things to me Frank <laughs> he says horrible things to me he says horrible things to Amanda and we're hysterically laughing at them you I know? witnessed him because crash your panel to make fun of you so <laughs> yes yes. <laughs> he'll, yeah he'll call you this idiot this stupid idiot you know Frank will just go up you know. I'm not insecure. I don't, it's okay. You can call me. I, I think it's funny. Um, but, you know, if we did it at another panel, let's say, uh, oh, I don't know. If you could pick anybody else in comics. And, and we just walked in and started yelling like that. They would be like, <gasps> you know, or call security or something like that. We used to do the listen to Jimmy panels and when Darwin Cook was still alive. And, and um, the things we would say in that pa- in that panel we would just like we would tell people like look when you print it you have to print a little thing that says look these guys all know it's it's all in fun because if you printed it word for word we'd come off like monsters <laughs> you know um <laughs> and we're not that i mean anybody that meets amanda and i and amanda too has got a mouth on it anybody that meets us though gets it right away they get that we're just having fun and um i think part of the that charm too is when we're at we're at the cons like Amanda and I sit there, I mean, we're, you know, naturally we're very friendly to people. 
but we're out of our way friendly at conventions because we know sometimes it could be nerve wracking to meet the people that do the work that you enjoy. You know, it can be nerve wracking. I know when I meet certain celebrities, I'm a little like, okay, what do I say so I don't come off like an idiot? You know? Yeah. Or and then I usually just go up to them, hey, can you sign this? Uh, you're awesome. You know? But we try to go out of our way to make sure everybody comes over. It's like it's like hanging out with people you know for years, and it's a very important kind of thing. And it's a good quality, I think, too. You know, even with Frank, Frank, you know, rough around the edges, right? You know, he's he's but you come up to him and you talk to him and talk about the work he's. Mr. Respectful. And, you know, I've seen him, I've seen him, uh, you know, have nice talks to people that are being mean to other people. Frank, go over and talk to them and say it's not good for their health to continue on that path <laughs> kind of things, you know? Yeah. Um, so there's, there's a great guy in there. And, and like I said, they're, they're, they're my friends. So I, I wouldn't, I'm very picky with the people I have as friends. Uh, so they have to have that sense of humor and they have to, have, you know, and, and I think it just toughens them up in a, in a different way. It's just another another way of, of hugging somebody by telling them you know their mother is a whore or something like that yeah it's very it's very Sean Connery in, in fake in fake Jeopardy with uh, Alex Trebek <laughs> so you know, I don't know if you ever seen Saturday Night Live oh Live. yeah I don't know I, I, yeah your mother's a whore Trebek <laughs> you know that kind of stuff <laughs> So, uh, last before we go, one of the uh, the things we do sure. on our show is we end every episode with uh, we'd like to be kind of a positive show, so we end every episode with sure. uh, a general recommendation on something they're really digging right now. It could be a comic, could be a movie, TV show, uh, album, whatever. Um, is there something okay. that you're really liking right now? There you go. Yeah. So, I would recommend The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel to, uh, from Amazon Prime to anyone who's looking for something to watch and could, and they can get a good laugh. Uh, it's about a, it's about a Jewish girl living in New York with a parent in the late 1950s. And she's not very happy with her life and decides she might want to become a stand-up comedian. And production wise, it's fantastic. And music wise, it's amazing. And the gal that plays the, uh, the lead is, and actually the whole cast is great. Tony Shalhoub plays a dad. It was great. And, um, it's just one of those shows that you watch it every day and you want to, you want to just keep watching more of it. The, the people are just so great. The characters are terrific on it. And, uh, I'd recommend that. And then if you want to go something a little more dark yet fun, and I think it's also on Amazon, it's called Patriot. Okay. Did you see that? Uh, no, no. Okay. Yet. So Patriot, Okay, Patriot's about a, a father and his two sons, and the father works for the government, and he makes his two sons become spies, and they're terrible at it. Okay, and it is it is dark in some places; it's hysterical in others, um, but it's definitely it's definitely worth watching. Um, I will say, give a little bit away. One of the sons that the spy is like a. Uh, has a guitar and likes to sing. So whenever he has problems, he makes up songs about his problems and he sings them with the guitar. It's, <laughs> it's so bizarre. Um, but that's a lot of fun. And then, uh, on Netflix, we, we just finished up Ozark. Um, Oh, that this show which, with, uh, Jason Bateman. Yes. Yeah. And it's, it's fantastic. It's dark. I won't say it's funny. It's more like 
if you want to get any joy out of it, you can say, well, thank God that's not my life. Oh. <laughs> um, if, you want to, if you want to get any joy out of it. And then movies, I will say Annihilation was terrific. And, uh, and we just saw um, Red Sparrow, which was 10 times better than I thought it would ever be. Um, for some reason, I thought it was going to be just some, I don't know what I thought it would be, but it's actually a really straightforward uh, spy story that kind of surprised me. So, uh, that, and that's it. Comics-wise, I, you know, I read everything, so I don't know. Love and Rockets is my go-to. My, uh, you know, it's I, a I, solid I, book. It it hasn't been bad in decades. So, nope, nope, it's not, and it's not going anywhere. Hopefully, so uh, yeah. As far as the other comics, I, you know, I tend to, I tend to hit and run stuff. So I, I tend to pick up like image number ones and see what that's about. And if I make it to number two, that means it's really good. You know, um, but I couldn't pull any off the top of my head that's standing out. I do like slots, actually, the the book slots by uh, Dan Panosian. That's coming out from Image. I, I kind of like that because it's a straightforward kind of story. But I'm looking, you know, I'm not a big superhero person. Like, it has to be something really unique Yeah. Um, to get to get my eye, you know, these days. I don't know if you feel that way, too. Um, um, comes and goes. Uh, everyone, it, yeah. it depends. Certain certain guys will, will grab me and then others won't. Like, like I said, I buy a lot in trade and a lot in right, hardcover. Right. So it's... Uh, I'll kind of like you. I'll pick up a number one, and like, okay, if this was right. good, then six months down the road, I'll pick up the uh, the trade for it. So, yeah, I you see. I've never been like a fan of like. Um, well, I like Green Lantern, but I like my 1960s Green Lanterns, and then you know, if I like Hawkman, I like the Joe Kubert one. Like, I have all era type, yeah, kind of kind of characters. I don't. I wouldn't buy them now, you know, unless it was something that stood out. You know, um, and I and I'm definitely not a, a part of the person that. Well, I bought all the other ones, so I must buy this one. I'm not that guy. I used to I be, have, and then I, I stopped. No, <laughs> yeah, I have no loyalty to any company. I have loyalty to a company that I work for, but I have, as far as my buying, my purchasing, I don't care. Marvel, DC, Valiant. I, if it looks good, I'll buy it. It's sort of like movies. I don't care if Paramount makes it or Warner. I don't care. Yeah, I've never understood those people who fight over which one's better because it's like they both have books that are good and they both have books that suck. So, right? Yeah, Coke and Pepsi—they're both bad for you. So yeah, I don't know. Pick whatever you want. <laughs> they they both—they'll both kill you. So I hope you guys enjoyed that interview. Um, I did. I, I love talking to Jimmy. Jimmy's one of those guys that I've uh, interviewed a couple times now. Uh, and as I mentioned in the interview, uh, I got to do a panel with him on uh, Fantasy that was a hell of a lot of fun uh, with him and uh, Amanda Connor, his uh, his wife and artistic partner, one of his artistic partners. And uh, Amanda's a lot of fun, too. So uh, maybe I'll get her on the the next time they've got something going on uh, when it's both of them working. Because the two of them have just uh, great comedic timing with one another. So, uh, yeah. Um, uh, Afterwards, uh, I talked to Jimmy a little bit more. Uh, It sounds like we're going to talk to him again the next time he's got uh, another project out. He let me in uh, on a little bit more info on... um, the, the team book that he briefly mentions, and I'm not going to say much about it other than 
he's right. It sounds absolutely ridiculous and absolutely great at the same time. And it's a book that I'm definitely going to pick up. So, um, yeah. Um, for those of you who uh, were curious, uh, the, the Kickstarter project is called Killing Time in America. Um, it's still up there on Kickstarter. There's, as I record this, there's 11 days left to go. Um, they've they've reached their goal, and uh, with Jimmy's books, uh, there is no problem with them shipping out, getting finished. Uh, they've got a, a ten project track record that speaks for itself. Uh, so uh, just basically look up on Kickstarter, uh, "Killing Time in America." It's a hardcover book. You can get it digitally cheaper. All really depends on what you want to do. Um, and I'm, uh, I'm going to put a link on our, uh, Facebook page to go along with this interview. So you can just click on that and go and, uh, if you want the book, you can buy it. It's, it's a book that's definitely not for everybody, but I, I think it sounds really cool. So I'm picking it up. I've already backed it. So that's just, uh, how I am. Anyways, uh, I hope you enjoyed this interview. We've got, we're hoping to do much more of these with all sorts of different people down the road. So uh, keep uh, listening, keep supporting us. If this is your uh, first time listening to us, welcome. And feel free to rate, uh, review, and subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud because it lets us know how many people are listening. Anyways, uh, this is Brent. Uh, check you back later. Set your phasers to six.